Good afternoon and welcome to Midday Magazine for Wednesday, September 13th. I'm Shelby Herbert reporting for KFSK. Alaska Representative Mary Peltola's staff announced this morning that her husband has died in a plane crash. Eugene Peltola Jr., who goes by Buzzy, died early this morning, according to a media release. In the release, Mary Peltola's staff described Eugene Peltola as a devoted family man and one of those people who was, quote, obnoxiously good at everything. Representative Peltola is traveling back to Alaska to be with their family, according to her office. Petersburg's volunteer fire department got a fresh set of wheels on Sunday when their new fire engine rolled off the ferry. They've waited for engine number two for over a year to replace an old engine. And it's had a long journey. The Ferry Columbia cruises up to Petersburg's ferry terminal, where a crowd of people are standing in wait. Some are brandishing cameras or smartphones, and there's a drone zooming around to snap photos. They're getting ready to welcome a very special piece of cargo, a brand new fire engine. Aaron Hankins is the director of the volunteer fire department, and he's absolutely giddy to see it roll off the ramp. This is a beautiful sunny day in Petersburg to welcome our new rig and glad that some members of the public showed up to come watch. Chief's going to drive it off here in a minute and I you know, look forward to seeing it go by in all of its new glory. Engine number two trundles off the ship, sounding the alarm. Its klaxons are answered by those of a couple of Petersburg's other fire trucks waiting for it in the parking lot. Fire Chief Jim Stolpe steers it off the ramp, wearing a huge smile. Jim, how's the new set of wheels? Oh, the city should be proud. Look at this thing. Gorgeous red truck. Petersburg Volunteer Fire Department on the side. Oh, so pretty. Oh. <laughs> Hopefully we don't ever have to use it. <laughs> the fire engine had a long journey. The borough commissioned it from Pierce Manufacturing in January of 2022 for about $600,000. And then it cost about $30,000 to outfit it and bring it across the country. Hankins says the engine began its life in Florida. And then uh, once the truck was completed, it had a, they called a shakedown trip across the country to Oregon. So they went and they uh, ran through, shook it down, fixed uh, obvious problems that they noted in its trip across the country. And then uh, just the other day, we received word that they are bringing it up to Bellingham and they put it on the ferry. So Petersburg's fire department, which is nearly all volunteer, is suffering a staffing shortage. And the emergency phone lines aren't getting any less busy. But Hankins hopes the new equipment will help the department make their jobs a little easier and make the community safer. Once we get it uh, up here, it's going to go right to motor pool, receive its finer checkoff. Once it's cleared for motor pool, it's going to come back up to the station. We're going to start uh, finishing mounting the little bits and pieces of our own equipment up here, like the SCBAs and hand tools and things like that. The fire department is also planning a push-in ceremony for the new rig, a firefighter tradition. This is where it will finally go in the bay it's going to live in for the large majority of its life. We put the truck in neutral, all the firemen kind of grab a piece of the bumper and they start pushing it in. The department hasn't nailed down a date for the ceremony yet, but it will be open to the public. From the Petersburg Ferry Terminal, I'm Shelby Herbert. The Petersburg High School cross-country team had its second meet of the season last weekend. 
the runners competed in Wrangell against teams from Sitka, Wrangell, Juneau, and Prince of Wales Island. Petersburg's girls team did not place. Only three runners competed, and five runners are necessary to place as a team. Individually, Maria Toth took third place overall, Kinley Lister took fifth, and Gabrielle Whitaker took 12th. The boys took third place as a team. The top three finishers for the boys were Alex Holmgrain with 10th place, Elias Ward in 11th place, and Ben Candle in 17th place. Coach Casey Gates told KFSK's Hannah Floor that he continues to see lots of improvement from his team and is looking forward to a strong showing at regionals later this month. Our first race in Kloak, we did well, and I think we just built off of that in Wrangell. Um, we had put together two weeks in a row of good racing, so I think it, it went well. Um, and we held our own against the bigger schools and did well against them, so that's promising and that's good to see. When I talked to you last week, you said that Maria Toth had placed first with the girls and then Kinley Lister had placed second. How yes. did they do in this in this bigger competition? So Maria took third place in the girls' race on race day. She was the second finisher with the girls, but Sitka had a girl that was in a different league, basically, in a different at a different level than everybody else. So she raced with the boys, actually, um, because she was so much faster. They they put her with the boys so she'd have some stiffer competition. So, you know, if she was with the girls, then she then um, Maria would have got third. But um, Maria did very well. There was only one sicker girl who beat her. Um, and I just want to point out that Maria, we, we didn't talk about this last week, but Maria Toth is a freshman. So yes. this is her first year. Yes. Uh, competing. Yeah, so she, she continued her tear um, uh, for these first two races and, yes, did very well. And Kinley got fifth. That's what I was thinking. Yes, Kinley got fifth. Wow. So you've got, a, you've got a good team of girls. and uh, But you had told me that you only have four girls to compete. To have a full team to do well at regionals, you need five. Correct. How's that looking for you? At the moment, we tentatively have five for regions. That is very exciting yes, to hear. Which is yeah, very exciting because if we have five to toe the line in regions, we're going to do very well okay. as a team. And then how about the boys? How'd they do? Boys did well. They did solid again. Um, everybody ran faster this week than they did last week. A um, couple guys I want to shout out this this weekend are Adrian Ducat and Ethan Bertignoli. These are a couple of guys. They came in. This was their first year running cross country. Um, and, you know, it, it was their first time ever doing it. When they started out, practices were tough. It was hard on them. And this weekend, they put together two really good races. They both ran under 23 minutes, um, which is far and above anything they were doing at the beginning of the year. And it's a respectable time for anybody. So it's pretty impressive to see how much they've improved over the course of the season. Yeah. 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 Um, and then... What is your, what's your goal? What's your plan for the rest of the season? You've got, I think, two more meets before regionals. What are you going to work on? Yeah, well, um, the main goal now is just to get prepared to run our best race in the regional tournament and to do the best we can there. So we've got basically two weeks, sit good and catch a can to keep building and hopefully get faster. And by the end of the season, the last week going into regionals, it's just getting their legs fresh and tapering and um, getting ready to go for regions. So two more hard weeks of training, and then the week leading up to regions is going to be kind of nice and easy on the kids, uh, getting their legs back and healthy and restored. Yeah. 
are their legs not healthy right now because they're working too hard? Mm, depending on the definition of the term, I guess, yeah. <laughs> it, uh, they're sore. I'm sure they're all sore and beat yeah. up, but that's part of it. That's just the way it goes. That was KFSK's Hannah Floor speaking with cross-country coach Casey Gates, and they were discussing last weekend's meet in Wrangell. This coming weekend, the team will compete in Sitka. The regional meet is scheduled for September 30th. President Joe Biden led a memorial at Joint Base Elmendorf-Richardson in Anchorage on Monday for the anniversary of the September 11th terrorist attacks. He described that day 22 years ago. My fellow Americans, September 11th, 2001, tested our strength, our resolve, and our courage. The billowing smoke and ash that darkened the clear blue sky that September day. The shredded steel and concrete slabs that rained down from the World Trade Center. The plume of fire that shot up in the sky in Pentagon. Biden stopped at Jay Bear on his way back from the G20 summit in India and a diplomatic visit to Vietnam. He spoke for more than 15 minutes in a hangar filled with Alaska-based military members and their families, as well as more than a dozen politicians and policymakers, including Governor Mike Dunleavy, U.S. Congresswoman Mary Peltola, and Anchorage Mayor Dave Bronson. The president said though Jay Bear was thousands of miles away from the World Trade Center and the Pentagon, the distance, quote, did not dull or diminish the pain. We know that on this day 22 years ago from this base, were scrambled and high alert to escort planes through the airspace. Alaskan communities opened their doors to stranded passengers. American flags sold out in every store and were placed in front of seemingly every home. Biden decried terrorism, not only foreign, but domestic and ideological violence as well. He also used the remembrance to call for national unity. That's how we truly honor those we lost on 9-11. By remembering what we can do together, to remember what destroyed, what we repaired, what was threatened that we fortified, what was attacked, and an indomitable American spirit prevailed over all of it. After his remarks, the president shook hands with audience members for nearly an hour before departing on Air Force One back to Washington, D.C. Summertime in Homer means berries are ripe for the picking. Unfortunately, this year's cold, wet weather led to berry-picking struggles for farmers and foragers alike. Jamie Deep reports on the subpar berry season in the southern Kenai Peninsula. People in Homer and the southern Kenai Peninsula may have noticed fewer berries in their gardens and on the trails this year. The lack of berries comes from the cold summer and is affecting residents in different ways. Joey Hausler is a school counselor who works in multiple elementary schools in Homer and Anchor Point. In his first summer in Homer last year, people knew him for picking hundreds of pounds of blueberries. When I realized that there was all of these wild blueberries to pick, I right away was recognizing that that was something I was going to try to make use of and do something with. So it hasn't taken me long to sort of establish myself as sort of a blueberry person around here. However, this year, Hustler could barely find any berries around Homer. Hustler said he was getting about a tenth to a twentieth of the berries he did last year and questioned if it was worth still going out to pick them. I've just been making a lot less trips out looking for berries because it just feels like the time is not as well spent when I'm taking a couple hours and picking just like one container's worth, which is maybe just like a couple pounds. 
The poor berry season also led to businesses in Homer adjusting where they source their fruit. For Lewis Maurer, things look unclear. As the owner of Bear Creek Winery, he relies on local fruits and berries to make wine. The wet weather this year led to a delay for the berries, but Maurer still expects to get a harvest of some sort. Over the years, the winery has found ways to diversify their fruit sources for when harvests fluctuate. With the berry wines, that could mean relying on frozen fruit from last year's harvest. By freezing the fruit and keeping it stable that way, it allows us to kind of average out the seasonal changes. We might get so much fruit in one season that we actually use that for two years because we get so little the next season. Jason Davis, owner of Sweet Gale Mead Works and Cider House, produces mead with local fruits and honey. This year, Davis has to lean on more fruit sources outside Homer. While he's able to get enough blueberries, black currants, and Sitka strawberries for making mead, raspberries may pose an issue since Davis only sources them in Homer. The only concern is that we might run out of red raspberry or golden raspberry if the snow comes before they ripen, because they're just barely, barely starting to ripen right now. Casey Matney is an associate professor for the University of Alaska Fairbanks Cooperative Extension Service. He said the cold, wet weather's effect on the soil is to blame for the poor, late growing season. Everything was delayed because soil temperatures barely got into the temperature zone that plants need, which is about 40 to 42 degrees. And when you look at average daily highs and lows, we didn't get a lot of growth. And so the the degree days or the days when the plants would actually grow well uh, were really scant across the whole season. Matney said the cold weather also meant fewer nutrients released into the soil, and the cloudy days usually cut the amount of sunlight reaching plants by two-thirds. All of this led to difficult conditions for berries to grow. Thankfully, things are looking up. According to Matney, current long-term predictions show warmer temperatures than the region has had in the past. Next year, any of the plants that we have growing probably won't be feeling this negative effect continuously, and they'll probably be just fine next year. For people concerned for the future, Matney said farmers and gardeners can increase soil temperatures by laying down solar mulch, clear plastic that lets sunlight through and traps its warmth. In the meantime, people in Homer can enjoy the abundance of rhubarb and foliage that flourished from this year's weather instead. In Homer, I'm Jamie Deep. The Environmental Protection Agency has announced $2.5 million in grants to three Alaska Native corporations. They're part of a $20 million appropriation from Congress to clean up contaminated lands that were conveyed to Native corporations under the 1971 Alaska Native Claims Settlement Act. Senator Lisa Murkowski, who championed the legislation, called it a stain on the federal government. The Tayanuk and Unalashka corporations will each receive a million dollars in funding. The Ukpiakvik Inupiat Corporation was awarded almost $600,000 from rusted oil barrels to old spills to lead and asbestos contamination. These pollutants have long been a part of the unfinished business of the Land Claims Act. Tayanek will use the money to inventory and clean up contaminants on the Iniskin Peninsula, and the Unalashka Corporation will target pollution from World War II, removing soil contaminated with PCBs, as well as sampling soil and water at a warehouse in Dutch Harbor. The Ukpiagvik Corporation will use the funding to clean up land at the Old Naval Arctic Research Laboratory in Utkiavik. For KFSK, I'm Shelby Herbert.